0: hello everybody and welcome to the american shoreline podcast this is peter ravella co-host of the show and this is tyler buckingham the other co-host tyler uh ports around the american shoreline especially smaller ports are very critical very critical the backbone of the working waterfront. The backbone of the working waterfront. So many roles are played by small ports around the country, and we wanted to take a chance today to focus and tell the story of one of the great ports on the American shoreline located in an area from your neck of the woods, Tyler, Ventura, California. And so we've got a great show today. We're gonna be talking to a commissioner of the Ventura Port District, Everard Ashworth goes by Ev has was appointed to the port commission by the city of Ventura, California in July 2018 and a real expert on this port and we're looking forward to learning more about this this great uh, facility.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a fun time kicking it with Ev, learning about the port and learning about uh, what I think is is a pretty innovative project that came about. It's an aquaculture project. So yeah. You know, one of the things, Peter, in preparing for this show, Peter, we thought this is kind of a little local control E. We have a local uh, government, basically, this port district. There are local initiatives being undertaken, and we're going to seek to understand how things are working, why they work. And in particular, with this aquaculture lens, something that uh, we see rising up, uh, the interest in aquaculture around the American shoreline and for i think uh you know at least intention the intentions are pure where th- there's this idea of sustainable food that this is the, uh, a way f- uh for humanity to move to the future and be more sustainable on the planet sounds yeah, great it does uh, i do know that uh we've done several shows now with um, the late great thing tinson about uh shellfish aquaculture up in the pacific northwest yeah there are issues and we, we know that but uh for this episode we're going to explore this particular ventura enterprise excuse me ventura shellfish enterprise project in specific uh which i think will be very interesting we'll get to nerd out on on how that all worked out the permitting the site selection all this the stuff, politics all the all the stuff that just is uh we know all around the american shoreline this stuff is yeah. the important the important things that make these projects sink or swim So we're really looking forward to it. But before we get into it, as always, let's have a quick word from our sponsors. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by LJA Engineering. With 28 offices along the Gulf Coast, the folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numerical modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. Be sure to check out their brand new Coastal Resilience Department, headed up by ASPN's own Peter Ravella. Find them at lja.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today daily blast newsletter at coastalnewstoday.com for daily updates on the events and news that shape the coastal discussion. Want to support the discussion and promote your company? We have sponsorship packages available now. Email me to learn more at chloe at com. That's C-H-L-O-E at coastalnewstoday.com. Hope to hear from you and enjoy the show.
0: Well, Ev Ashworth, uh, thank you very much for taking time to join us on the American Shoreline Podcast and uh, introduce us to the Ventura PERT District and to Ventura Harbor.
2: Hey, well, thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Pete, uh, uh, Peter. I appreciate this opportunity to chat with you both about something. Uh, for which I have a lot a, of a, a commitment and a, and a lot of energy that we put into our, our harbor. Our, uh, the Ventura Port District was, uh, uh, is organized in California's Harbor and Navigation Code. It was established in, uh, uh, with a $4 million bond and opened in 1963. Uh, it, it comprises about 275 acres, of which 122 are water and 152 are land. And uh, uh, on, our, on our property, the Department of Interior owns about three acres, which is their headquarters uh, for the Channel Islands National Park. Uh, it, our, our, it's a small harbor. Uh, our harbor jet has a operating revenues of about $10 million, of which $1 million comes from our base within the Ventura County, and it funds our harbor patrol, it goes directly to pay to that. We're home to about 100 businesses uh, that support about 2,500 jobs. And that generate about 90 million in sales and and profits to their companies. The overall economic impact of our harbor is about 250 million a year, uh, uh, and we have uh, in, invested in about 160 million dollars in new economic development over the last uh, four or five years. It, relative to our commercial fishing port, we we like to ourselves as a working harbor, and and the best little uh, commercial fishing port on the west coast. It's. Uh, uh, either the first or the second largest uh, uh, commercial fishing port on the west uh, in California, and it's typically in the top 10 or 20 of commercial fishing ports in the US. Our largest uh, uh, catch is market squid, and it's probably some of the best market squid you could find anywhere in in the world. Uh, It it, it is uh, brought in by uh, uh, pretty advanced purse centers. We recently uh, upgraded our harbor at the cost of about $5 million to provide additional new uh, berths for them because they're wide boats and they're deep draft and our harbor is, uh, uh, maintains deep draft commercial access. Uh, and, and that's uh, uh, one of the really the, the touch point of our, our effort to engage in uh, sustainable commercial aquaculture. Um, our harbor is uh, linked to Santa Barbara Channel. Uh, uh, and uh, through a federal channel. That federal channel uh, is maintained by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. And every year about 500,000 cubic yards of sand goes from Point Conception down to Point Doom, uh and transits the mouth of the harbor. And it fills up our sand trap. And if it's not removed on an annual basis, our, our harbor will close. And the year before I joined uh, in, in my uh, role as a commissioner, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers was unable to fund dredging. And that's about a $6 million a year enterprise. As I mentioned earlier, we bring in about $10 million a year. So the economics just don't work for the Port District to maintain its own uh, uh, federal channel. That really is the responsibility of Congress, it's the responsibility of the federal government. And if it were left to us, we couldn't afford it. So the question is how is it that we're entitled to such funding? And uh, the year that was uh, where we were challenged and unable to get funding that the office of management and budget revised the allocation scheme and if you're a a harbor to a department of defense u.s navy you're a harbor to the coast guard if you're a harbor to a big port such as san pedro los angeles port of long beach you're guaranteed funding our harbor is not we're a commercial fishing port and depending on our uh, stature we either deserve funds or not and so Uh, we lost funding that time because we were not recognized as a as a large enough harbor and why is that well the market squid is peripatetic i mean it goes uh, uh along the west coast uh north and south and the year in question we just didn't land as much market squid as we typically do so when faced with the issue of how do you maintain dredging of our harbor diversification of a commercial fishing fleet uh, becomes critical and that that was the the, the start of the Ventura Shellfish Enterprise. I see. I'll I'll pause there for a little bit to let see guys ask. A well, few I
0: you know I would I would say to the listeners out there if you uh, are at a computer and can uh, take a look at while you're listening to this show venturaharbor.com it's a great website and it's a beautiful uh, these are a beautiful port. Uh, recreational uh, facilities, recreational boating facilities, you've mentioned commercial fishing uh, uh, facilities at the port. Uh, Take us on a little tour of the port and uh, tell us about the facilities and why people come there. And you mentioned a hundred businesses. I'm interested in that.
2: Yeah, you know, essentially, I think years ago, I was uh, visited the Sistine Chapel, which is thought by many to be, a, you know, one of the more beautiful things you could look at, uh, d- designed by some of the most brilliant artists. Uh, I would much prefer to spend time in our harbor. Uh, to me, uh, that it is as pretty a spot as you can find on the coast. Uh, it's home to the Channel Islands National Park, which uh, uh, it comprises four islands uh, uh, directly off of our, our shores. And that's hallowed ground to the Native American Indians. They're, they believed all the spirits that left uh, North America uh, are left through those islands. And it's the uh, uh, oldest human remains in in North America were, were found on those islands. So it's it, it, it starts with a with, with a beautiful set of national park islands, and in our harbor itself, it's a really a mixed use facility. If you think about it, we're 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 home to over a hundred. Uh, um, uh, Uh, We have 100 slips for for commercial fishing boats that are deep draft, wide, uh, per centers. We also have uh, four individual marinas for recreational boating. I think we're home to some of the best retrofit yards on the West Coast. Uh, We have two top flight uh, organizations that that, uh, uh, service boats that come from... uh, Uh, long distances to to access the expertise that that resides there Um, obviously we have fuel docks and and, uh, a a host of restaurants that offer food to table experiences we you know we land fish we have uh, um, uh, saturday markets for the commercial fishermen and uh, and then we also have uh, uh, a relatively inexpensive uh, Homa Park, where, where senior citizens are, predominate, uh, and they have affordable housing proximate to the coast. We also have low or medium-priced hotels that allow people access, and we have the uh, uh, concession that brings uh, 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 people out to the national parks on, on four, three or four uh, uh, best-of-class catamarans that, that provide quick and reliable service over to the islands.
1: It is a large slate, and you've got your own beaches. Hello, <laughs> Ev. You've got volleyball you know, courts. You've got your own beaches. You've got a shoreline to maintain. There's there's even more going on.
2: We have, uh, our, our our dredging project is often talked to, referred to as sand replenishment. I'm an avid, uh, uh, used to be an avid surfer, now I body surf, and we have some of the best uh, blessed places, depending on the weather and the prevailing ones, some of the best places to surf on the coast. Uh, it's it's a challenging, it's a challenging waterfront. Uh, you know, we have weather patterns that can come in uh, relatively quickly. And so we've got a very active harbor patrol with, uh, you know, manned by professionals that provide 24 seven service. And the other thing, which is really true, I think, of many harbors, uh, P- Peter and, and Tyler, is you have engagement. I mean, our community is engaged in our harbor. We have uh, uh, you know, the, the businessmen, businesswomen who are there, but also uh, off, offshore uh, uh, paddle paddlers come here. Uh, we have beach volleyball. It's really a locus of activity uh, for, for our community. And it's uh, I, I consider it really the gem of our city. So it's a, 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 the other thing that's nice, as compared to some places on the East Coast, we, we can operate 24-7, 365 with temperate weather. And so that makes it a year round attraction.
1: Got to love that Southern California weather. Uh, Let me get in here real fast. Uh, And, you know, our our audience might remember, Peter, when we had on Captain Paul Amaral of towboat U.S. Ventura. uh, (laughs) And uh, they're a a vendor out of Ventura Harbor. and very active, great social media follow, of course, uh, seeing what they're up to. And I've got to say, growing up in, in the region, uh, I would go out to Ventura Harbor for the restaurants. And it was just a lovely place to kind of spend the afternoon. with My grandpa, he might take me out to lunch there. But I had no idea about this broader uh, economic portfolio that the port has. And I'm wondering, Ev, how does the city... So you're appointed by the mayor. Uh, so the city of Ventura, I guess, has jurisdiction over the port district. Um, how how does the city regard the port? I'm, I'm interested, is it is it like the cornerstone of the city's economic thinking or is it kind of an auxiliary piece? What's your assessment there?
2: Well, I, again, we're organized under the uh, Harbor Navigation Code and our commissioners are appointed by our city council. But we operate independent uh, of the city. Ah, I think one of the, sorry, did you have a question? Sorry. Yeah, I was
1: just said it was interesting.
2: Yeah, so, and it's, uh, 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 I think the city recognizes that that uh, the economic activity within the harbor and also the benefit that it brings to all of our citizens is something that's special. And we work closely. One of our uh, councilmen, Jim Friedman, is a former commissioner. Uh, our, one of our commissioners is a former mayor. Uh, And so we have a lot of uh, cross-pollination, cross-pollination among uh, those appointed, and those who are elected. And and at bottom, we have uh, 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 Brian Pendleton, who's our new general manager, and before him Oscar Pena, And and they're linked into all sorts of things within the city. So there's an arm's length relationship, which must be uh, uh, maintained under the legislation. But there's a real sense of camaraderie and, and, and enjoyment when we work together on the same issues.
1: Well, okay. So that's interesting to know. An independent commission. Uh, it seems like the state requires it, but there's some connection to the local municipality. In this case, Ventura. That's an interesting little layer cake. It reminds me of. It is. Reminds me of like airspace uh, with the FAA. You know, you can transit from you know LAX into a different airspace where there's very different regulatory rules. Uh, Anyway, that was a little tangential. I wonder, Ev, uh, going back to the economic portfolio and kind of the pie, how this Ventura Shellfish Enterprise project was birthed into this ecosystem. Was there a whole, was there something missing um, from the port, uh, from a working waterfront perspective, that this project was intended to
2: address? Yeah, exactly. Exactly right, Tyler. We, we needed to diversify. I mean, because our market squid uh, has a, if you look at the catch over time, it looks like a cross cut saw. Right? You'll have orders of magnitude in variance between one year to the next, both in economic value and total uh, pounds and tons landed. And so uh, if, if we're on the in the downside cycle and the people at the Office of Management and Budget take a, a snapshot, uh, we don't compare favorably. Again, we're, we're the, the, one of the top 15, top 20 uh, uh, harbors, commercial harbors in the country. But if you have a bad year, uh, you're in trouble. So uh, that happened to us. We had to uh, again uh, foot the bill for for uh, dredging the harbor, which is something our, our economy just cannot support, and it's not our responsibility. It's it's the federal government's. But uh, if you don't, if we don't uh, dredge every year, uh, you'll have shoaling, and it'll be an unsafe condition. And the commercial fishermen who rely on us as a port would have a hard time uh, continuing to, to to come back to port. So we, it's our obligation to, you know, step in there. I think we did the right thing, but we really had to pivot and say, well, how how is it that we can smooth out this this curve? And and we looked at all the different opportunities to uh, diversify commercial fishing, we were fortunate to meet with uh, uh, three or four really uh, important people. One is uh, our coastal marine biolabs. They're, they're a, a tenant of our harbor. Dr. Linda Sanchi, Dr. Ralph Amandi, our uh, advanced scientists, uh, and together with our colleague and friend, Doug Bush, who's, uh, who grows abalone uh, in Santa Barbara, uh, they approached us and said, hey, would it make sense to look at sustainable commercial long line muscle production offshore, otherwise referred to as aquaculture, but it's essentially it's fishing uh, and it's fishing offshore. Uh, they introduced us to uh, Randy Lovell, who is our aquaculture coordinator for the state of California. And we started a discussion saying, well, how can we do this? And, it, and the more we looked into it, Peter and Tyler, the more it really became something that made a lot of sense from an economic and, and then moreover uh, uh, a, a, a practical way of sustainably expanding a commercial fishing commercial working waterfront uh, the economics of, of the of these farms are, are substantial uh, our pro forma that we put together shows a 22 percent return on an investment and I think anytime you look at a business that over time gives you 22 percent at, at relatively at current market prices I mean that's two dollars fifty cents a pound landed for mussels at that rate and the production values that we enjoy in southern california because the waters are just rich i mean we're an upwelling zone to take the humboldt current the mexican current the pacific current and they all uh, combine in the channel and we have a lot of food it's temperate it's a sandy bottom and uh, we're protected We tem- it's, it's, it's our coastline goes east west it doesn't go north south so we have islands offshore that really protect the area and it's probably one of if you look at where to find a place to grow mussels, you, you, you couldn't do better than the Santa Barbara Channel. So we, we uh, uh, realized that in order to be able to grow these mussels offshore, you need a bunch of permits. And that's where our, our Ventura Shellfish Enterprise uh, really began, uh, trying to find a public-private partnership with funding from the NOAA, funding through Sea Grant, and a volunteer time through Linda and Ralph and Doug and our, our, our firm. I work at a environmental consulting firm and we help people offshore maintain compliance and get permits for the things they do offshore. And, uh, and we're fortunate to have a port district that is really quite good at getting permits. I mean, that's, you build something within the harbor, you've got to go through all the same thicket of, of uh, entitlements and permits, which we've had to do for projects uh, within our harbor. So th- this group, Ventura Shellfish Enterprise, a- applied for grant monies from Sea Grant to be able to fund the project to say, well, first of all, where would you go second of all how would you design it and third of all put in applications to see if we could secure uh, entitlements and th- th- there's a couple really important aspects to the venture shellfish enterprise first of all it's not one farm it's it, it's it was a uh acres that would allow 20 acre farms to, to to be developed and that's really an important economy of scale because the, the cost to monitor the cost to comply can be borne by one company But if born by 20, it becomes 5% of the cost, right? Those are all essential costs that have to be done. Better that you have a a larger base to disperse these costs among, as opposed to having one company trying to pay for everything. And there's only uh, uh, two farms uh, off California, in part because of the cost of of securing these permits and the cost of maintaining these permits. It's, It's a pricey business. But we thought, hey, if you have... 20 farms working together, that cost becomes 5% of your operating revenues as opposed to bearing the 100% of it. And that makes a lot of sense. And and the second is, these areas have to be vetted and, and approved by either the California Department of Public Health, uh, uh, if you're in state waters or the food and drug administration if you're in federal waters. And that requires vigilance and ongoing work to make sure the water column is clean and the product is, itself is is uh, good to eat. And a fair amount of testing has to be maintained to that, that maintain that vigilance. Otherwise, you can introduce uh, uh, neurotoxins and other things that are just not good for anybody. And so uh, um, a larger group can afford that robust monitoring and, in fact, improve it. If you have more money to make sure that your sampling is more robust, I think that's better for everybody. So it it wasn't just a one farm, rather, it was 20 farmers. And the other thing is we're really trying to create an industry here, not just a single farm, but something that was sustainable. And and the more we looked into that, that's exactly what happened in the Prince Edward Island area. That's exactly what happened in New Zealand, exactly what happened in Chile, the larger producers of mussels. So we really tried to mimic that and to give those economies of scale, uh, which would allow for more production and uh, uh, a larger role. If you have just a single farm trying to set market prices for a a commodity, uh, that that brings with it uh, uh, more difficulty, we think, than a a robust uh, uh, industry that can support 24 seven delivery of product to the end user that rely on not just one or two harvests, but year round harvesting. And I'll pause there guys if there's additional questions you'd like to enter into.
1: Oh yeah, we have a whole show we got to do here, Ev. <laughs> but I got to say, you know, I'm I'm I feel like Peter uh, that scene in Star Wars, uh when you go into warp the first time, like that first time you ever saw it and you're, it's you like feel pushed back in your seat. Ev, just hearing you go through this, you know, expansive uh uh, coverage of this material, uh, so quickly, uh, I'm I feel pushed back to my seat, but I do want to go back because it struck me, Peter, in the origin story there that what this was central to this origin story is the justification for the dredging funding. Uh, and um, I find that to, to be a very interesting little catalyst that then leads us down ultimately this road to find the shellfish enterprise project and then. Uh, discovering it seems like, and I, this is a very kind of adaptive process, but discovering the uh, the benefits of, you know yeah. this type of aquaculture potentially in this region. Yeah, it, it uh, evidence it is a great
0: story that the initial impetus for the port to explore the development of muscle aquaculture offshore was to reach a certain tonnage limit that the OMB, requires in order to justify federal investment in channel maintenance and i can tell you small ports all over america tyler struggle with this issue uh and the the criteria used to determine what ports get what money to be maintained are pretty tricky and uh, it sounds like the port of ventura took a real shot here to try to develop a new industry to develop enough tonnage to justify the federal port maintenance requirement, uh, Ev, I know that this project hasn't fully, hasn't gotten off the ground. But what were the projected uh, tonnages of mussels that you thought in your pro forma could be produced by this 2,000 acre, 20 farmer uh, aquaculture operation?
2: And, and Peter, that's a good question. I think the key thing was allowing. Uh, the development of the farms to to uh, maintain positive cash flow so each farm there the 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 plan envisioned uh 20, acre farms uh, which would be developed over time a total space uh, a lot of it is 2000 acres and and the uh uh ability to to make this a financial sustainable business is in part maintaining positive cash flow uh, each of the, the we, we worked with engineers out of Kelson Marine out of Maine to to make sure the design could withstand 100 year storms. Uh, uh, we we made sure that the um, uh, we leveraged the expertise of individuals in in uh, New Zealand who have developed technologies that are robust for offshore uh, uh, long line mussel farms. They have a much harsher climate uh, than we do. We visited uh, firms in Scotland and in England. John Homeyard, uh, who has a large operation. Uh, off the southern coast of england and then also folks in uh, in new zealand and we were very fortunate to have a, a gentleman named bernard friedman who runs uh, the uh, uh a muscle farm up in uh off uh, hope ranch in santa barbara in santa barbara mariculture and if you if you ever want to spend an afternoon with a with a gentleman you, you, you visit with bernard friedman he's a great guy and so anyway the, 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 the roundabout way to answer your question though is it, 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 we see a growth uh, over time that would allow for uh, uh, each farm to be generating roughly one yeah. and a half million dollars worth of uh, you know, product, about a million pounds uh, uh, out of each each farm. We'd be generating twenty to thirty million pounds, but that was wow. just on uh, that. That's on the tip of the uh, of the nose, though, because we were concurrently working with folks at USC and working at the Bren School, two research institutions in in California, as well as. We were supported by Scripps and by Woods Hole, so we really see this as as a, a, a as a farm, not just to develop uh, sustainable aquaculture here, but to be a springboard for this technology along the West Coast, because whenever you optimize something over time, you can then find much better yields, which I think is true if you look at any managed resource, right? So, th- so that, that was just what we would start off at. But we would think over time that that could be improved going forward. We also think that the price point of muscles at 250 a pound, which is what it's going for. Once recognized by the public, I think they'd be willing to pay significantly more because it's got 5% body fat, omega-3 vitamins. Individuals who have studied this in the diet show that you've become more intelligent and less hostile. I think this day and age, that would probably be something that we'd want to include on everyone's diet.
0: We we should all be on muscles if that's the case.
2: And it's and, and if and if you look at the affection that people in Europe when they have a muscle, I, I'm Dutch citizen and you go there and there's a festival, 80,000 people show up if you're serving muscles. So we really thought that this technology in, in you know invested in Ventura could become a springboard, and that was part of our appeal to NOAA and others saying we don't want to be a one-off here. We want to be a, a, a site where people could continue to optimize this technology for the benefit of the larger good.
1: Hey, can you uh, explain to me, Ev, how the long line method of muscle production works? And are there other, you know, can you just kind of how this particular method was selected? Uh, Are there other methods out there? And take us through your the the project's development to select this particular uh, method of of aquaculture, muscle
2: aquaculture. And that's a really good question. We wrestle with a number of these decision points, right? And so the, this technology was really developed by uh, a, a wonderful collection of, of entrepreneurs and, com- and f- commercial fishermen in New Zealand. It's referred to as long line muscle technology. Uh, it, imagine if you will, uh, you have an anchor uh, that's a hundred feet uh, below the water, and then you put another anchor out about, uh, you know, a, 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 a thousand, uh, uh, about a, a thousand feet from that. And then you anchor those down deep and then suspend two buoyant, uh, 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 buoys uh, at the corners. And so you'll make a trapezoid, right? You have two anchors, large buoyant uh, sources at the corners, and then you form a trapezoid. That's your backbone. And that backbone allows you to deploy what we refer to as droppers or continuous grow ropes. It's the material upon which the muscles will grow themselves. And, and the reason why we, we we really deferred it here to, to Doug Bush. Doug is a a pretty accomplished uh, uh, businessman. He's a very thoughtful a commercial fisherman, and he grows abalone up in Santa Barbara County. And he has a number of uh, contacts that he's worked with over the years. And what we liked about the longline offshore mussel aquaculture is how well it dovetailed into our our area, right? Uh, In Holland, they'll they'll, they'll grow a lot of mussels close to shore. We, We see a real benefit of positioning offshore because of the potential insults that come from stormwater. You also have land use restrictions that are significant along any coastline in the the, the United States. That, that that land is spoken for and it would be difficult. Uh, we talked to a, a, a commercial uh, 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 oysterman out of North Carolina. He got his grant uh, from George III back in the 1700s. Um, George III was not thinking about mussels in California at the time. So anyway, we've got l- land conflicts on shore. So it really became a series of how could you best engineer this system? And offshore longline line uh, really dovetailed nicely. We don't have the conflicts on shore. We've got a perfect sandy bottom. Our, our siting analysis that we've worked with both the, the University of California Bren School as well as NOAA really showed that this is an ideal place to locate. And the technology is turnkey. So, the folks in, in New Zealand developed this. They've optimized it. And we really just would look to partner with them to deploy it here in California, which they were very willing to do. We had the manufacturers come over and visit with us. We had fishermen that were engaged with us, and they're generous in their heart and they're thoughtful in, in their in their business. And, and they were very supportive of our project.
1: So, if you were a, a, a person who was going to start a muscle operation, you purchased, a, I guess, 120th of uh your total lease space you'd lease it out would would that fisherman have uh their own gear would they be uh would they run their own lines or would the lines be kind of communal among all like is this infrastructure duplicated for each uh leasee or uh that, that, is it shared
2: yeah that's a that's a very good question and when we wrestled with. I think what we tried to do is to establish a basic design, which we did in our operations plan. And it defined, here's the minimum requirements that we would have of any commercial fisherman within this operation. And they would have to have specific requirements as to the basic anchor design matching up and flanging into the engineering analysis that was done, but they don't know the material. It would be theirs to have uh, and theirs to own. And they would be responsible if their farm would discontinue to remove everything. And there was an escrow account envisioned to allow for funding. Uh, Should the farm close down, there would be adequate funds uh, to address anything that was left in place to to have that removed properly. Uh, And so this would all be the independent uh, 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 responsibility of the growers, but they would share the costs among the monitoring that would be required, the, uh, uh, the ongoing testing of the product and the, the water column to meet FDA requirements. And they, and, uh, they could also get together and, and market uh, among, uh, among the group as a group and set pricing among the group. So it was a combination individual ownership, but then co-op and then uh, 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 consortia to allow for management of the farms moving forward. I,
1: I, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just very interested in these details that y'all came up with. Uh, the specific type of aquaculture, obviously, the sighting I know is a whole saga. I'm sure we'll get into that in a minute. But before we do, um, the selection of the Mediterranean mussel. I'm interested if that mussel. What I don't believe that is native to the California coast. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, no, no. Oh, it is. It's a g- yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's it, it's been around for hundreds of years. I mean, it, it may not have been here, you know, 500 years ago, but it is now, and it's considered to be. Uh, 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 so it came adapted. over with the
1: Spanish or something.
2: Yep, and and it's it, it's here, and and uh, uh, it's considered to be, uh, you know, now now naturally occurring. And, and they, uh, the other one is the, uh, the California mussel, which is also equally good and tasty. I think the reason. Uh, w- Again, Doug Bush, our aquaculture specialist, was the one who suggested the Mediterranean mussel. In part because Bernard Friedman, who operates that the one permitted farm up in Santa Barbara, uh, used that mussel as well. It's well known. It's well yeah. understood. And a and a real rate limiting step for anybody going into this is where you're going to get your spat. Where where are you where are you going to get your your, your That's basic? What I was going to ask
1: you, Ev, you're ahead of me
2: again. And, yeah, so so it it, it was a combination that, that you know there's a there's only a handful of companies today that provide seed. We thought that this would be a once the project was established, that would expand. And in fact, Doug poofed out the methodology for doing that. He's expert at growing things, and he demonstrated that we could certainly grow more seed if we needed to. But it was a, a practical consideration, recognizing the market value of a, of an indigenous uh, a muscle. It's robust. The growth rates. Are, are it uh, 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 impressive? I mean, we can grow a muscle in California a heck of a lot faster than someone can grow a muscle in Prince Edward Island or in New Zealand. <laughs> and the other thing is, it's it, it's really uh, uh, considered by many to be extra tasty. If you do a taste test among the different muscles that are available to sample, this one comes out on top.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sold. Uh, I mean, uh, between the anger management and just <laughs> feeling better. The the Omega-3s, come on, Peter, Yeah, it's a
0: superfood. Well, and and the economic return and the the diversification of the port's economic portfolio. Uh, You know, these small ports around the American shoreline, Tyler, are critical economic development engines, and it takes a lot of creativity and a lot of work to develop new industries and practices that support the local economy. This sounded like, and sounds like, an exceptionally good idea. And, uh, Ev, in the pre-interview, I think, I think you mentioned that the port had worked for about six years on the development of this muscle aquaculture idea and pursued it with great vigor. Um, however, the story does not have necessarily a good ending uh, as it sits today. Uh, tell us what, where this project and the initiative uh, is today. And if you would, tell us how you got to the point where you are now.
2: And, and I think it, uh, I'm, 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 a, uh, I'm perpetually optimistic. I think we're at a good place now because I think what we've done here uh, really has crystallized ideas among many, including NOAA. And that now they're looking at doing something of an, an aquaculture uh area of interest in a number of areas around the country pattern in part over what we've done with the vsc but to go to your, your question uh uh when we started off on this effort the first question you ask yourself is well can we do this right i mean do we have the authority to to embark on this effort and we uh worked with legal counsel and and, and reviewed it and the, the, the opinion at the time was yes you absolutely can if you look at the navigation and harbors code it unequivocally gives us the authority to do what we've done uh, down the line, we met a group of a folk called the Local Area Formation Commission, and they're organized under the government code, not the harbors and navigation code. And there were issues that they brought to the fore saying, hey, you know, you're, you're looking to do something in federal waters. And we're concerned that you don't have to do that. Our view was that they're a state agency and clearly state agencies have no nothing to say in federal waters they took a different read they said uh, our, our our government code tells us you shall come to us and you must talk to us and in so doing we don't have any authority in the federal waters so we can't say yes um i i read catch-22 in high school and was reminded just what catch-22 means when applied to something just like this it's like holy moly how, how how could you take that opinion but they have right and so uh there's a several ways through that thicket we pivoted and we went to some legislators and suggested that we might have a one time uh, uh, agreement through our legislature that we would be uh, given authority to go to federal waters and avoid this conflict with the LAFCO folk um, and we proceeded down that path. There was concerns during COVID and uh, concerns raised by the environmental groups uh, that, that uh, maybe federal waters is not the right place for a, a mussel farm such as this. Uh, and w- our, our, our board in March of this year said, look, the only way to resolve this further is through litigation. And the five of us are litigation adverse. We don't we, we wanted this project to be something that you look back 10 years later saying, this was a great idea. And our thinking was that if we had to go through litigation to get to that point, it would really uh, uh, sour uh, uh, and, and, and cause uh, others to, to reflect that it perhaps it wasn't done the right way. So we decided to pivot we said look we've spent six years about a million and a half dollars uh, mostly through in-kind grants and mostly through the the sea grant folk and we have a body of work that we can point to and then we're, we're writing a, 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 a an article to explain where you can get all this data where is the navigational risk assessment where's the benthic analysis Where's the first of its kind navigational risk assessment that was performed by experts out of Norway uh, to, to explain that there's really nothing to worry about about this farm. It's under the water, boats can transit, and it's not going to interfere with anybody. Or to the extent it does, it's minimal and can be managed. Uh, and so we're hopeful that this work and this uh, that is really proved uh, that mussel aquaculture in the Santa Barbara Channel is a great idea. 22% uh, and our our district is got one of the best harbors on the coast and we've got over 100 slips for commercial fishermen we've invested uh, over five million dollars in upgrading that we have a, a pier that we maintain and installed additional cranes with the expectation that it could be used to offload mussels wow. and so we're hopeful that in, in discussions with others they, they look at this saying hey this is a place nice, uh, to grow and so we become now advocates of this technology which we understand well. We become advocates of the commercial fishermen which we've always been i mean we're a working waterfront there's not uh, we, we 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 align with the commercial fishermen and the commercial fishermen are our lifeblood and so uh we're hopeful that uh in the next two or three years there'll be opportunities to look at things such as kelp mediterranean mussels uh opportunities for fin fish and then all with a with a supportive have anybody uh, come to, to to make those things uh happen
0: we would, I think I think it would be great to see this industry uh, begin to develop around the American shoreline. Uh, you're not the first person we have talked to who has made clear to us that the regulatory hurdles uh, facing uh, the development of aquaculture on the American shoreline is a real challenge. Uh, Tyler, I'm reminded of Chef Robert Jones, who was our host of the Seafoodie podcast before he moved to Belgium. Uh had on Margaret Henderson, who is the, uh, uh, with the Stronger America Through Seafood group, an advocate for changes in regulatory policy governing aquaculture off the American shoreline. Uh, Ev, it turns out, it seems that this particular effort, as well thought out as it was, six years of effort, more than a million dollars in investment. Uh, clear economic opportunity for the port has been uh, hindered a bit by the regulatory system. Uh, Are you frustrated with the uh, regulatory environment that you were trying to operate in, and do you have any thoughts on how it should be changed?
2: Uh, You know, that's an awful good question. I spent my entire professional career uh, obtaining entitlements for new and innovative industrial sources and uh, integration of new innovative technologies. Uh, We're well served in California by our agencies, they want to make sure with a precautionary principle that when something's done, it's done well. Uh, But having said that, uh, uh, the structure of of, of what we have within the state and the funding which is provided to the agencies and the support uh, is is wanting. In California, they're not doing enough. There's about 9% of our greenhouse gas emissions that come from agriculture, this technology Longline offshore mussel aquaculture is a powerful tool to address that. No water, no food. It's got the lowest greenhouse gas footprint. And we're spending as the state a leadership role in in the management of greenhouse gases. And this is a tool that can be significant in terms of direct reduction in emissions. Plus, if you grow kelp, introduce it into the feed of, uh, of cattle, you can reduce their emissions by numbers that I've seen up to 90%. It is a tool that the the state of California needs to embrace, and they have one guy who's the aquaculture coordinator with some interns. I mean, that 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 that's just foolishness to expect he can do anything beyond work his uh, work his work his fingers to the bone, which he does for our state. He's a great guy, Randy Lovell is an exceptional individual. But what can one man do when, when looking at this? What we need to have is the legislature has to direct clearly. And the coastal commission and the fish and game commission have to take their responsibilities more seriously and they need to look at this from a creative view to say how will this happen as opposed to how can we condition it to allow it to happen no the the question isn't to approve something the question is how are you going to design this so it will happen and happen in significant amounts because uh, we need in, in the next 50 years to face the challenge of how do you feed a populace and how do you reduce greenhouse gases? The only technology that I've seen that can do that well is longline offshore mussel aquaculture. That's it. And so it's an, a responsibility that right now is not recognized by funding, not recognized by expertise, and that has to change. Again, our agencies are some of the best in the, in the world to try to do what they do, but uh, they're underfunded and not properly directed.
1: Well, we, appreci- we certainly uh, appreciate the... Uh, the words of support to the managers and regulators out there, it's a really hard job. And, um, but all too often, I mean, Peter, I remember when we went to the international ocean film festival, there was a film about these two ladies who started a little seaweed growing operation up in the North Bay. And the, the film, I mean, it's like, it's almost a, a classic, A government overreachy type of message that this film tells because they get going and pretty soon they get shut down by the state um, because they're some somehow they're out of compliance with a permit which they couldn't really afford to be in compliance with there was no path for a startup yeah for an entrepreneur who sees this opportunity that ev is talking about there's no clear path to be able to do that Unless you're a, a huge, you know, if you've got all the money in the world and you have a team of attorneys and a skyscraper full, of, yeah, you might to. be able to get her done. But for those of us like me, who's very interested in this project, ladies and gentlemen, and let me know <laughs> if you are a listener. Tyler's there. Muscles. I'm thinking I'm looking uh, forward to it. The Chandlin, Channel Islands Muscle Company. I've already got the name picked out. I think we could do it. Ev. I, I really do. And I'm, I'm curious, you know. I realize that the port is not going to go in for this permit, but uh, is there hope for the future? Is there a hope that we can get this going, uh, have shellfish aquaculture specifically growing these mussels on a long line system the way that this project proposes? Is there a way that this can happen in the near future at Ventura? Is, Is this possible?
2: Yes, I believe so. I bu- I believe it is. And you know, But what you described, Tyler, Taylor, is just the same, Tyler, the same frustration we all had. I mean, the, the Port District wanted to step in and become that bank, become those lawyers, become the money to allow the small commercial fishermen. Our whole VSC envisioned small commercial fishermen that don't have the financial wherewithal. To be entitled to then grow 100 acres, we picked 100 acres because that's the average size. 80 acres is the average size of a mussel farm in Prince Edward Island. And what we wanted to give these commercial fishermen is a sustainable technology, a sustainable size farm, and a sustainable income stream to really allow them to to to, to uh, uh, be highly successful in competing in the market. But anyway, I'm very I'm very encouraged. I mean, we anytime you embark on something new. Uh, uh, you're you're going to have uh, uh, difficulties, and the last thing we do is pack up and go home. Right, that's not going to happen. What is happening now is NOAA is invest, investing in an uh, area of interest for aquaculture, and they're they're looking at areas around our country, including the Santa Barbara Channel. Last the other two weeks ago, we talked to a kelp grower who's uh, uh, up in the Fer- uh, Faroe Islands, up in the uh, the North Atlantic, and they can see the conditions here. Uh, in Southern California, we're talking to them. And that discussion is going to continue and we're vigorous in that support. Our port district just funded additional consulting time, additional attorney time to continue to support commercial aquaculture. And our, that's the great thing about our harbor. We're not going to turn away from the commercial fishermen. That's not going to happen. And we, we hopefully we've established great contacts with the research arms, Bren School, uh, uh, Scripps, Woods Hole, uh, the uh, USC, and we hope that this area will really become a locus of research and industry and we will continue to support it moving forward. if anything what 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 was impressive for us is just how great it's going to be when it does happen, right a twenty two percent return on an economic market you look at those numbers and they're very attractive. You look at our harbor we're, per, we're an ideal place to support this. We've got a largest commercial fishing fleet on the coast. And we've got a target audience in Los Angeles that is just can't wait to get their uh, their hands on it, farm to table experience. Their greasy fingers on that thing, husk. yeah,
1: <laughs> with some frites. <laughs>
0: and That's the I think way if I like about Decided straight. to
2: use a food truck to be able to deploy those out, so you have a direct uh, access. You don't have to go through a middle. Never line. frozen. You're not, you're, I'd line up. You're you're not dealing with two fifty a pound. You're dealing with ten dollars a pound, and you have it. You have a waiting audience everywhere, and then you.
0: Well, again, Ev, I think, I, I think the case is very solid, and the, and the interest is also on the part of the port. It's great to hear that the initiative is not dyed on the vine. Uh, but what do you think is the principal regulatory problem? Is it a state level? Is it a state legislative matter that the California Assembly can address? Or is it congressional? Is it at the national level that the rules and the regulatory system has to be adjusted, or is it both?
2: I, I think uh, you have two different systems. If you're in state waters, there's one path. If you're federal waters, there's another path. So you really have to take them in turn. Uh, on the federal level, there's two uh, major entitlements that you need. One is from the Army Corps of Engineers, and one is a consistency determination with the California Coastal Commission. And and that's a, a direct uh, a path forward. The National Oceanographic Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, they are 100% behind aquaculture. Dr. James Morris and his colleagues at National Ocean Service have developed new tools to allow for sighting and management of, of uh, longline mussel farms, as well as finfish as well as kelp. And they're a robust, deep research organization that has a lot of horsepower to support this. And I think that there's efforts in Congress to make some changes to the legislation, which I think everyone recognizes is needed. It's a whole nother smoke in California.
1: I'm telling not you, even, forget Bitcoin. Push. Go get yourself some muscles. These are the. <laughs> yeah.
2: This is the new gold.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. you can't eat a Bitcoin.
2: We, uh, we got a much. We got a much bigger hill to climb in California. It, it lacks a lot of things, and it's not focused in what what needs to get done. And there's a moratorium in place, so even if you wanted to go forward, you couldn't do it. The moratorium won't let you. So okay, yeah, I, it, in, in the near term. Federal waters is really where this activity must take place. It, it, if it's a, it, there may be opportunities in state waters that are unique, and I wouldn't discount them. Uh, uh, and there may be good opportunities if you're growing uh, uh, oysters near shore and it's established. But longline mussel farms, uh, that that thing is probably best served in federal waters. Okay. Not to say not to say oysters, not to say other things, but longline mussel farms probably. Okay. Don't do that. Now, having said that, the only working farm is Bernard Friedman's. Santa Barbara Mariculture hes in state waters. So it can be done.
0: What kind of production does if you if you know, uh, what's the uh, amount of production that this uh, particular farmer is able to do now?
2: I'd like to let, you know, Bernard should answer that himself. He's gone from 25 acres to 75 acres. He's expanded. He's a lovely individual, and he's a a smart businessman. So he keeps a lot of the intellectual property close to his chest. Uh, But I think if you ever sit down and eat some of his mussels, he's there on Saturdays at the Santa Barbara. Harbor uh, uh, at the Fisher uh, at the uh, uh, the Fisherman's Market in the morning, and it's uh, as much fun as you'll have eating as you as you can imagine.
0: It it does sound good. the uh, The question I, I wanted to ask you you have, you're in the business professionally in permitting uh, facilities offshore, so you're clearly a person of experience in the regulatory system. Um, and know your way around uh, are you surprised at the level of resistance or the level of uh, confusion when it comes to aquaculture the development of the aquaculture regulatory system what's your professional take as a as a permit
2: expert well i think it's typical of something that's never been done right we don't have long line offshore mussel farms in place today Okay. And so I think that's it's wise that NOAA has embarked in their effort, I think, to, to allow that to happen, to, get, to generate the data that you'll need to show people that this is as good as we think it will be. Uh, it, it reminds me very much of what it was like to uh, permit a, 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 a an energy uh, a source. We went. I was worked on a team in, in Germany where we permitted the first-of-its-kind uh, energy system uh, in, in the area the Green Party was founded. Hmm. and there's a lot of individuals who are justifiably concerned that you're going to be putting things in the air that aren't healthy so yeah. we worked very carefully to give them the data they needed to demonstrate this will be cleaner than than, than it needs than uh, anybody uh, could suggest okay is a, a, a perfect alternative so, so a new the,
0: a new operation in. and and yeah. understandable that the system is not caught up yet with the the uh, the technological and economic analysis of the the, the viability of this industry, uh, you mentioned a, an important consideration. I think a lot of our readers and listen uh, on Coastal News Today and listeners on the American Shoreline Podcast Network um, are familiar with some of the concerns that have happened with finfish aquaculture around the world. We, we do carry stories about it and uh, but that's a fundamentally different practice and I think you you pointed out the key difference and that is that on muscle aquaculture longline muscle aquaculture there's no feeding there is no cage you're not pumping you don't need to put anything in the water the, these animals are feeding off of the natural system uh, they are they don't produce pollution so there's no downdrift uh, you know uh, feed rotting and things that happen, uh, there's no genetic intermixing issues that you need to deal with like you do in fin fish. So although aquaculture offshore has gotten a, a little bit of a bumpy uh, start when it comes to fin fish, uh, the nice thing about, about mussel aquaculture is uh, it doesn't seem to have those detrimental impacts. Are you comfortable with that conclusion? Is that a fair thing to say?
2: Well, I would say we tried to keep it simple in our project, and for that reason, we picked a muscle and we kept it very simple. Uh, But I'm also, uh, I have an engineering background, a scientific background, and anything that's well-engineered and well-designed will perform uh, within expectations. And uh, you can point to examples of fin fish where it hasn't gone well, but I would also look at uh, the Wright brothers when they first took off, saying, hey, the, the, the wings broke, I guess we can't fly. Anytime uh, uh, you, you stop something and, and not reinvest and understand how to optimize, uh, you lose the opportunity to to, to to avail yourself to something which is potentially a great tool moving forward. Because I think if you do something well, if you did and, and you pointed correctly, that mussels have a lot lower bar. I mean, I think it's a much less, I mean, when we selected that uh, uh, form of commercial aquaculture for that reason. But I also believe that, that anything that when, when we have an opportunity to look at uh, a well-designed thin fish farm and bring that to fruition, people will realize that this is something that is far more attractive than the detriments uh, suggest. And and today, if you go to a feedlot and, and you see how we're generating the protein that we eat today and the methane emissions that are associated with that that are significant, and you look at the consequence for our disruptive climatology, you've got to look at other tools. And that's an essential uh, uh, decision point I think we all have to make. So you're right that, that that there are other things have less concerns but i also believe that finfish if have done well uh, will be a powerful tool that we can use to address essential needs that we have in the next 50 years
0: well there's a ways to go uh, a path to yeah, walk absolutely. before we get to the point where there's a robust aquaculture industry around the american shoreline either in finfish or shellfish or uh, seaweed or other products but uh there's a great deal of interest and a great deal of money being put into it, and uh, it's great to talk to you, Ev, uh, as a leading proponent of this and the Ventura Port District, which has invested considerable time and energy in trying to bring this new industry to fruition. Uh, we, we wish you well with it, and uh, hopefully the path uh, is lit uh, a little bit better going forward from here with uh, NOAA's support and the... Uh, the effort that the port and other proponents of aquaculture are engaged in, we hope we hope it goes well. We re, we'll
1: be following along to see how it develops. What do you think, Tyler? Well, I'm telling you, uh, yes, we're following along. I'm looking for investors. If you like this idea, just send me an email, Tyler at today.com. I'd love to hear from you. But I'm serious. I I really do think that Ev you have started something uh, you and the team have started something that will continue and I share your optimism and I really appreciate it as as a local kid in that area I'm stoked that there's that someone's thinking into the future about the future economic portfolio of the community it can't all be tourism Ventura folks you need diversity and uh, the working waterfront in Ventura Harbor is an absolute uh, treasure that should be kept and modernized, and aquaculture is a great way to do it. And that's what I got to say on that.
2: <laughs> it, and Tyler, if, if I may, uh, we've met a lot of investors who have capital; they want to invest, and they want to meet people like you. And if you <laughs> you've got a standing invite to come out to Ventura, this could be the uh, best
0: show ever on the American Trail Podcast, and, and, Tyler. You made up in the aquaculture business,
2: <laughs> and we we would appreciate nothing more than the opportunity to take you out. I know you know the local waters, and we would. Uh, 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 Love to continue that discussion. Uh, again, investors are not the rate-limiting step; it's, uh, it's the it's the uh, the permitting process, and we're pretty good at it now. And I think we can help everyone move in the right direction.
1: Well, that's very kind of you, Ev. And uh, in all honesty, though, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I we need to be thinking this way. Or all around the American shoreline, there are opportunities for uh, economic development for sustainable food. Um, and the more open-minded, I think we are, the better we can be at regulating it and making sure that we're doing right by the environment and uh coming up with better systems to feed ourselves so uh that's that's where we got to move well ladies and gentlemen it is everard ashworth ev ashworth commissioner
0: with the ventura port district in ventura harbor california ev we really appreciate uh learning about the port and about the initiative on aquaculture and we sure wish y'all well in the pursuit of this and uh if anything interesting breaks on this issue, you've got to call us up. We want to do another show. We want to keep in touch and follow up on how this develops.
2: That's generous of you both. We, I very much appreciate our time together. The beaches to the hotels,
0: my father's and i was you.